Welcome to the Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa Rittenhouse. Entrepreneur Escape Pod is for anyone interested in learning about the multitude of ways to create a career for yourself outside of a traditional nine to five, as well as anyone who is inspired to learn from others and take action towards their goals. In each episode, I interview a wide variety of people from entrepreneurs to artists to digital nomads so we can learn from them and expand our perspective on work in the digital age. I'll also share with you my thoughts on any newsworthy topics related to remote work, tech, digital entrepreneurship and more. If you're ready to feel inspired, let's dive into Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa. In this episode, we have a very interesting guest. Her name is Laura Madden. She is a sustainable fashion advocate, an influencer, and an artist. And in this episode, we get into what sustainable fashion is and how Laura developed a passion for it. We also dive into what her career as a personal shopper and stylist for a thrift store was like and how that helped ignite her passion for sustainable fashion. Uh, We also talk about how you can elevate your style even while exclusively shopping at secondhand stores and just how fashion in general can help increase your self-esteem. So we get into all of that. We also talk about her career as an artist and what her creative process is like. Laura gives some great advice on how young artists can overcome any fears and anxiety about criticism of their work and putting their work out there. And Laura gives us some great tips on how you can get your art in front of people as well. So if you're someone who is an artist or you just are an art lover or a fashion lover, you'll definitely enjoy this episode. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Laura Madden. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Laura Madden. She's a sustainable fashion advocate, an influencer, and an artist. So hi, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, so I guess just to jump into it, um, I th- you are known as a sustainable fashion advocate. So uh, tell us about sustainable fashion and how you describe what that is. It's such a good question. And it's at the same time, such an obscure thing because fashion, you know, the whole nature of fashion is not sustainable. I mean, in order to make fashion, you are using tons of resources. So there are now many ways that you can be more sustainable with your fashion. And for me, the very most sustainable thing you could do for fashion is to shop secondhand, um, you know, so that's consignment, vintage, and to really maximize the wardrobe that you already have. So I know for a lot of people, that's a really unpopular uh, answer, but, you know, I've been living that since 2015 now, and that was something I fell into really by accident to be completely transparent. Um, But, you know, shopping secondhand has got to be the most sustainable thing you can do, fashion speaking. Nice. So um, you mentioned how you had a shift when you were talking about shifting to a more sustainable fashion sense. Um, You mentioned on your website that you were, you used to be obsessed with shopping and finding a great deal, but then that changed when you watched the documentary True Cost. So what about that documentary changed your perspective so drastically? Oh my gosh. Well, I had absolutely no clue that there was anything 
about fashion that, you know, was harmful to the environment um, or anything at all that was in any way damaging or destructive. And that documentary completely revealed some of these unfortunate truths about mainstream fashion that it's very damaging to the environment and there is a whole lot of social injustice, um, you know, with factory workers and just all kinds of areas in the supply chain. And so it just completely changed me. I mean, it changed me that very, you know, night that I watched that documentary because in watching it, I realized I was a huge part of this problem. And, you know, fashion was always like, my guilty little pleasure, but it was kind of like, oh, you know, it's just shopping. Uh, you know, no one's uh, no one's uh, being harmed by this this habit of you know consuming excess. And I realized in watching that that yeah, I actually you know that habit was harming a lot of people. And so I knew right then that I had to change like how I was consuming fashion. And um, I was actually newly blogging at that time, fashion blogging. And I just realized, you know, there's got to be a way that I can use this to be part of the solution and not the problem, which, you know, not to knock blogging, the blogging industry, because it's been, you know, it was very good to me for some time, but a lot, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of the industry is, you know, pushing product and, you know, getting people to buy product. And so I just thought there's got to be a way to do this differently. Yeah. And you mentioned too feeling what unfulfilled or describing feeling that way when you were constantly hunting for deals. How has shifting to a more sustainable way of shopping changed how you feel when you shop? Well, I mean, for starters, it just, I have a clear conscience, so to speak. You know, I feel like if you're shopping secondhand, a lot of these items could very well still end up in a landfill, which is very damaging. And so it's almost like you're rescuing, you know, uh, a lost soul or a lost puppy or something by rehoming these items. And so that just made me feel good knowing that I was taking items home and, you know, utilizing things that could end up in landfill. But at the same time, by shopping secondhand, you're slowing down the demand on the fashion industry to produce faster, cheaper clothing. You're, you know, reducing waste, you're conserving resources. So I just felt good, like, okay, this has gotta be somehow um, doing good for the environment and moving the needle on, you know, healing the environment versus again, like being part of the problem and making it worse. But, you know, it also, um, it really forced me to get more clear on my style and it really forced me to tap into my creativity by, you know, only shopping secondhand. It's not like you go in and everything you see, you know, you can get your size and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it, you are in some ways limited. Um, but at the same time, when I started shopping secondhand, I realized very quickly, I was also finding the best stuff. <laughs> and so that just, you know, really sparked me because I've, always been such a fashion hound so this was kind of like a whole new chapter and it was it was just a whole new way of being a part of fashion yeah definitely um do you have like a favorite era of style that you like to 
look out for when you're shopping secondhand? Oh my God, that's such a great question. Honestly, I like everything. I really do. I, I love, like, if you look to my closet, it looks, you know, like 10 different women live there because I like preppy, I like elegant, I like sporty, you know, I have a little like rocker chic, I have a little bit of, you know, like some 20s pieces. So, <laughs> you know, it just, it's like, how can I make you know, this work, if I find something that's intriguing, but unusual. So I couldn't say there's one specific genre, but I just love old stuff. I just love old things, things that look like they're from another time or, you know, a whole different other person's life. Yeah, definitely. I, I love a kind of old, old fashioned fashioned, I guess you could say, like, uh, I think it's, it's, you really can like, kind of, I don't know, see how, I guess, get a sense of that time period through what was in style and what was fashionable. Um, and then was there an aha moment for you when you realized you could turn your passion for sustainability and fashion into a business and help others who may be looking to have a more sustainable wardrobe? You know, uh, sort of. I really was hesitant to do that for a long time, but something that was very interesting and maybe just kind of like... Um, you know, coincidental was about this time, I was also hired by a thrift store to be a personal shopper in a stylist for in their stores. And, it, it, you know, it just, it was, that was so eye opening, because people would come in and meet with me, I would pre shop, and people would go nuts about what I picked out. And a lot of it was just the fact that they didn't have to put the time in. Because a lot of people, they, they're not going to go shopping, you know, at a consignment store or a thrift store because chances are it's going to be more time consuming. But I would also style all of these looks for them. So they would come in and see already, you know, ready to go outfits. They didn't have to think about anything and they could buy the whole look ready to go. And so that, that was very eye-opening. I never had any clue that there would be any value in that um, for other people, but it did. <laughs> That's so cool. Cause I, I was wondering how you ended up working as a personal shopper for a thrift store. Cause I wasn't sure if that was an idea maybe you came up with, or was it just kind of like fate in a way, like as, as you got interested yeah. in this, this opportunity appeared. It totally was fate. Um, at the time I was actually, I had newly started a blog, but I was also working as a life coach and it was more like working with women entrepreneurs to um, increase their visibility. And it was really a lot of confidence coaching at the core of it. Um, and a lot of times our, our, you know, sessions would revolve back to their fashion choices. So, you know, style and helping women with their style, that was always a huge passion of mine and an interest. But to be quite transparent, I had reached a point of severe burnout. And, uh, you know, exactly what you said, it was fate. Um, I actually, one of my dogs passed away and it just forced me to like, stop, take a break. I had to like, you know, really just revitalize and rejuvenate myself. And in that time, of taking a little time out, um, this woman who led this personal shopping program at this thrift store reached out to me and 
you know, she basically just scouted me off of my Instagram to see if I'd be interested in coming on board. And it just so happened, I had the, you know, I had the flexibility and I thought, you know what, I have nothing to lose. It was intriguing. It was scary because it was something I'd never done before, but it was a ton of fun. Like I had a blast. It really was awesome. Yeah, that's so cool how things work out that way and how you were able to kind of find that opportunity through things like social media. Um, And is that what kind of initially sparked your interest in working as like a stylist and a personal shopper for other people? Yes, 100%. And then um, you also kind of talked too about how to improve your self-esteem through your style. Um, Tell me what kind of your what your thoughts are on that like what goals do you have when you work with clients as a stylist in terms of like helping them with uh, their self-esteem and their style like what are some kind of common concerns you see with people is it just like they feel like they don't have the time to go to a secondhand store they don't know how to style themselves they feel kind of lost you know it's all those things but I think at the core of it um, it's people being afraid to really show themselves because that can be so revealing and very vulnerable and transparent when you really, you know, show your true self on the outside in your clothing choices. So a lot of it is knowing your style and just having the boldness, having the confidence to dress according to what you really love, you know, and a lot of times we feel like, oh, we're too much, you know, we don't want to stand out that much um, and be seen by people when it really comes down to it. But I do think a lot of it is, um, you know, getting in touch with your style and then following those pings, following what that is. You know, we all have like a style blueprint, what lights us up, what makes us feel good. And and I think clothing is 100% transformational. And I've lived that. And even before I found out about this whole side of sustainable fashion, you know, I did have a difficult time in my life and it was getting dressed in clothing that I loved every single day that actually turned me around. And, you know, I'm very visual. So, um, you know, maybe that's just me, but I feel like it can't be just me. You know, if that affected me that deeply, then there's other people out there who are also going to be transformed by their fashion choices. And so I think, you know, when you put on something you like just love that lifts you up, it almost is, it acts like a bridge to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And so, you know, I wasn't feeling good about myself, but I wanted to feel good about myself. I wanted to feel confident and um, I wanted to feel like I love myself And that, you know, getting dressed in those outfits that I love for one, it was my, you know, tapping into my creative side, which is a huge important thing for me. And, um, but it just, it's like, you know, it's, it was, it was that outside in approach a little bit more so where I was seeing things that I thought looked great. You know, it was beautiful to me. It was pleasing to my eye and it really, it was a mood lifter. It helped me feel good. So it, you know, it can be that bridge to get you from however you're feeling closer to how you actually want to feel. And um, so there's, you know, it, it is an inside job at the same time. But if you're a visual person like me, that is outside in approach, it can be a very transformational tool. It can be, it can really act as that bridge. Nice. Um, and what kinds of, uh, like you mentioned too, how you challenged yourself at one point to shop only at secondhand stores. How did that per- change your perspective on fashion and as well as your personal style? 
it actually transformed my personal style. And I feel like when I started doing that, um, I feel like it elevated my personal style, to be honest. It, and, it's, and, and, and it's true. Like I started being recognized for my personal style only after I started shopping primarily secondhand. And I think part of it was it, it really acted as a catalyst to my creativity because like I said earlier, it's you are kind of like, damn, uh, you're dealing with a limited batch you know you it's not like walking into Nordstrom and having your choice of any one of those items in any size so you do need to get a little more creative and almost like resourceful like oh how else could I style this one piece how else could I make it work how could I tailor this piece to to actually you know really make it exactly what I want for my body so I think the creative side for me was one thing and um let me see what else what else it was so it was just so huge um I think I think tapping into my creativity was probably the biggest thing and you know maybe it was just my luck I, I really truly just started finding the best stuff <laughs> yeah what are some of your favorite places to shop secondhand because uh, I know you're in Arizona so for anyone who's in that area or maybe visiting that area what what would you recommend Oh, well, you know, if you want to go to thrift store, Goodwill is fabulous. It's just been one of my favorite places to shop. Also in Arizona, a great one is White Dove. And that's a true charity store. Um, 100% of their proceeds go to hospice and so hospice care. And so that's a store, you know, I definitely support and also have found amazing vintage pieces, jewelry, hats. But um let me see, uh, consignment stores, if you want to go a little more luxury, TVC consignment stores are fabulous. They have a number of locations here in Scottsdale and Phoenix, and they're even in LA and Dallas too. And then my sister's closet is another great, um, you know, now they have a whole chain of stores here in Arizona, but gosh, there's, we, we, we really are lucky here. There's so many choices. And of course you have the online options like the real, real and vestiaire. I don't, shop that much online um because I love trying things on and I'm so picky in that regard but I, I do buy a lot of accessories um through those websites and, and jewelry nice um yeah and I guess talk to us a little bit about accessories because you mentioned how I've heard you mention too how they can really change up an outfit and is do you think that's maybe a good place for people to start if they're just like not really sure what they're you know, style is or fashion sense or maybe sometimes clothes can feel overwhelming, but like accessories, people feel like they can play around with a little bit more. Totally. That's such a good point. And I do feel like, you know, you can accessorize to maximize the wardrobe you ha already have. So like you could have a little black dress or a black, you know, blazer or, you know, the simplest of pieces, but you can completely restyle them, reinvent them, transform them by changing out the accessories. And it is a great way to kind of play with, you know, your personal style and maybe try and identify what really is your personal style by working with different styles of accessories. And I agree, it's less, it's almost like less of a commitment than an actual uh, garment of clothing, you know, maybe just buying a belt or, uh, you know, jewelry or a hat or a bag. Um, 
well, not if it's the luxury bag, because <laughs> those yeah. prices are only going up. Those values are only going up. But, but yeah, for sure. I do think it's a great place to start. And, you know, there's still a stigma with secondhand clothing. People, you know, thinking like, oh, you know, gross. I'm not going to wear someone else's clothing. For some reason, that has never affected me. That thought has never gone through my mind. But, you know, accessories might be easier because, you know, it's not like a garment that's actually on your skin in the same way as, you know, like a blouse or a dress or a pair of pants. Yeah, totally. Um, how would you say like, how, what would you recommend for people to maybe like overcome those stigmas of like secondhand shopping? Like, oh, it's weird to wear someone else's clothes or maybe people are worried they won't be able to find things in their size or something that they really like. So what are some ways to kind of overcome those stigmas when you're working with either clients or just out talking to people about sustainable fashion in general? Well, I think the easiest thing is exactly what you just said, what you mentioned about accessories, start, start small, start with accessories or something that just feels comfortable for you, like try it and maybe just go to a store and bring a friend if that sounds <laughs> more fun for you or, um, or if that's going to help get you there. But, but just try it out. Um, the other thing, I guess the tough love side of this story is that, you know, um, the fashion industry is blowing through resources at an alarming rate. And there's only a finite amount of resources on the planet. And once they're gone, they're gone. And so, you know, there are statistics that really woke me up. Like, for instance, 92 million tons of textile waste goes into landfills on the planet every year. So 92 million tons is a shit ton. That is a huge, alarming number. And, you know, things like our most, um, like, staple wardrobe pieces, jeans and T-shirts, are some of the most water-hungry garments in the wardrobe. When we think of how many of those most of us go through in a lifetime, um, you know, I'll just give you a little insight onto why I'm really passionate about only shopping secondhand for jeans and tees is because jeans are 1800 gallons of water to make one pair of denim, cotton denim jeans. And it's 700 gallons of water to make one cotton t-shirt. So these are super water hungry garments. And um, when, when you think about it in that terms, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to buy a pair of jeans on resale, you're essentially saving 1,800 gallons. I've lost track of what the number is of how many showers. It's like years of showers, <laughs> you know, worth yeah, of water <laughs> saving. So, you know, there's, you know, I don't love throwing around statistics because to be honest, it's pretty gloom and doom when you look at those numbers, but for me, that changes everything because I really do care about, you know, my environmental impact. And so that's, it's just, for me, it's just the way to go. Um, and if you're someone who really, really is um, frugal, hands down, you are going to spend so much less money shopping resale versus buying brand new. So that's just another little incentive, I think, if you're kind of like, hmm, you know, can I really go for this? But I really encourage people to just try it. Um, and if you're really kind of weirded out, go to maybe the higher end consignment stores first, because I guarantee you all of the eye candy they stock 
could change your mind pretty quickly. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's always one way to pitch it is uh, on the cost saving side, especially, um, you know, I don't know. And also too, maybe the, if uh, I think sometimes older clothes seem to be almost better quality. And I guess my next question is like, do you have any tips on how to preserve the clothes you already have, especially if they are kind of fast fashion brands that maybe you already have in your closet? Is there a good way to preserve them? Or is there any way you can like recycle them if they really are unwearable, anything you recommend? Yeah, you know, um, the Goodwill stores here in Arizona will recycle garments. They do have their own recycling center that they built, which I think is pretty remarkable. So if you do donate something to Goodwill and it's past its prime, I mean, it's unsellable, then they will be able to actually recycle that. Another place is ATRS. I think it's ATRS.com actually. And they have bins all over the US where you can drop your old socks, old whatever sheets. And they, they are a textile recycling organization. Um, but the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about, and I know this is gonna be unpopular, but it's washing your clothing as little as possible. So for me, I don't wash my clothing unless it's dirty, like unless it really needs it or it smells. Because the more you wash your clothing, the more it breaks down the fabric or the fibers in the fabric. And the other thing is washing on cold as often as you can. That's going to help preserve fabric as well. And limit the dry cleaning. I hate to say it. I love, I love, you know, my crisply dry clean blazers and suits and dresses and all that stuff. But I, I now limit that to only when absolutely necessary because the dry cleaning, it really, really it ruins the fabrics pretty quickly over time, you know, if you're doing that regularly. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. I thought like maybe that would be a good solution to people who maybe feel uncomfortable in wearing someone else's clothes. I'm like, maybe dry clean it. Well, it is. <laughs> you are right. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I definitely recommend it. If you're that weirded out by yeah. wearing someone else's clothes, definitely I would recommend dry cleaning because that's, it's going to kill everything. Um, but <laughs> over time, it's going to kill those fibers in the fabric as well. But, you know, um, you bring up a really, really good point. Um, I just lost my train of thought, but oh, what was it? You just brought up a really good point. Um, um, that I wanted to make. Maybe like reusing oh, like your old clothes if they're unwearable or what to do with them when you want to throw them away. I an alternative to throwing them away or making them last longer? Um, well, I have started using fabrics in my art. That's one thing you could always play around with artwork and art projects, but that wasn't it. I will think of it though. Um, okay. Well, brought up a I, great point. Oh my gosh. I think you were kind of like reading my mind maybe. If you think of it, feel free to just shout it out. But um, you mentioned just now your art. So let's get into that. You're also an artist. Um, so tell us about like what that experience has been like and what is your what your creative process is like and what inspires you. Yeah, you know, it's it's been amazing. I've always made my own art my entire adult life, but it was always kind of more like out of necessity. Uh, we've moved a ton of times for my husband's job. And every time we moved, I would just make my own art to decorate our own homes. But I never, uh, you know, as much as I loved the process of doing it, I never 
valued that. I never valued my passion for making art, anything beyond just the necessity of getting my homes put together and looking the way I wanted. And so my, my art is very fashion focused. It's very style focused, um, like design centric. And it's really meant to, you know, elevate your home, to bring a fashionable edge to the walls of your home and, you know, help people create luxury at home. And I would say, you know, many, many years, probably like 20 years ago now, when I actually started making my own art for my own homes, I, it really started with wanting to live in a luxury home. And when I thought about what does that even mean? You know, how can I even do that? How can I make that happen for myself? It was living in a home with artwork, filled with artwork, and, you know, really a really curated space with beautiful things that I loved. And so, you know, my art is about helping people create that feeling of luxury at home and living a stylish lifestyle. Nice. Um, so you also refer to your art as refashioned art. Can you describe what that means and how that relates to your advocacy for sustainable fashion? Absolutely. So, you know, the sustainability piece for me, it started with fashion and that was 2015 when I first, you know, really kind of had that fashion awakening sustainability journey started. And all of my artwork is made using repurposed materials. So I collect unwanted art, canvases, um, you know, vintage frames, antique frames, and I remake them into something stylish, new and cool. And so this whole idea of repurposing what already exists, just like with our fashion, it's reducing waste and conserving resources. And you're saving items um, that can very well end up in a landfill and you're giving them a second life. And so this whole idea of refashioning for me, it's really about the circular economy. And, you know, refashion is like restyling, reinventing those items that already exist. And, you know, then it's just the whole other side of it, like the whole feel of it, the energy of the art, it's meant to bring that fashionable edge to the walls of your home or your business. And, you know, this last year, I started really, um, you know, digging deeper, how can I even have more of an impact? And so I started making 3D pieces. Most of my work is 2D, it's, uh, I'm painting, but I really started making more of these 3D pieces. And so I started this whole new series called Refashion Resculpt, and I use all kinds of things. Um, I use some unrecyclable plastics and this year I started using the fabrics and so um, you know think of something like pillowcases slip covers bed sheets these things you know they have a shelf life <laughs> you don't use them forever you get to a point where it's like okay I, these things gross me out I'm just I'm, there's no way I'm using them anymore well instead of just throwing them in the trash I decided to start using them in my artwork and it makes for uh, something even, I think more modern and stylish and cool. And it's a little bit avant-garde because it definitely is kind of like, what is that? Um, but it is 3D, you know, it's that sculptural uh, piece of artwork that literally comes off the wall of your home. And so that's, that's really a whole new thing that I'm really working on 
I guess, expanding upon and seeing, you know, how far can I take this? How else can I evolve this? Because it's, it's just really fun. They're so fun to make. And, you know, I've done some media segments here in our local news showing that work and, um, you know, just getting some really cool reactions about it because it, it does look a little bit unusual and avant-garde and, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, what's this all about? <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I love the idea of like giving everyday items a a new life and a new style. And um, you just kind of on the side note, you were talking about, uh, you mentioned things like luxury. And I guess like, how would you, what do you think makes something luxurious, especially since you're working with a lot of like secondhand material? It's not necessarily, I think people sometimes think like it's expensive or like rare, but how can like an everyday item be transformed into something luxurious? What kind of makes it luxurious? Yeah, well, you know, I would, I, I won't deny for a second wearing, a, you know, high end designer definitely feels luxurious to me. I won't deny that. But you can really make those everyday items feel a little bit more couture by tailoring them. And I actually really recommend people take the money they save on shopping, resale and secondhand and, you know, spend it on tailoring, perfecting a piece to be like absolutely made for your body, made for you. Um, That alone, that custom fit is going to make something look and feel luxurious without question. And so that's kind of like one of my secret weapons, tailoring, but also styling. You know, so this is where you're tapping into the accessories or how you actually wear a blouse or a jacket or your collar um, or even your belt. So those little details, they're going to personalize the look and kind of set you apart. And I do feel like that's going to make things special. And for me, that does, that does give it a luxury feel for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then with some of your art pieces, you're having a summer sales event on select pieces. Can you tell us a little bit about the pieces in that collection and what kind of your inspiration behind some of them are? Sure. Well, I'm always looking for ways to incentivize people to, um, you know, experience my artwork. And so the summer sales event is, it's a selection of my originals and it's what I love most. It's only black and white. There's some other, um, like neutrals, taupes, some beiges, grays, but as for color, it's really mostly black and white and neutrals, which is my very favorite thing. I just love that cool factor of having art that's a little bit more of that minimal color palette. So there's just a selection of original artwork that I have on a special web page, and the prices are discounted up to 25% off the original price and so i really hope people will take advantage of these pieces i'm just doing it for a limited time but of course these are pieces that i would love to see in someone else's home and you know i always love seeing how my art collectors style their artwork in their own spaces you know whether it's their homes or their businesses and that's just so fascinating to me because just like fashion you know it it's it really artwork helps personalize your space and uh, like kind of style it and make it unique and more special. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's um, it's really cool. And in just going to the webpage, it's kind of like a little bit of an art piece in and of itself because it is that monochrome minimal color palette. 
Nice. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I definitely think like having artwork around makes a home, like a house feel like a home. It helps style it for sure. Um, and I also kind of feel like working as an artist is similar in a lot of ways to being an entrepreneur because you have to put yourself out there and you, you know, you want to get uh, an audience for your artwork. So what advice do you have for any artists who are young artists who want to showcase their work, but aren't sure where to start? That's such a great question. And you know what, a huge part of my drive comes from wanting to demonstrate a successful art career for, you know, up and coming artists or, you know, anyone of any age that might be sitting at home and thinking, gosh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could have a career doing that. So I really try and demonstrate ways that you can do it. I think for uh, up and coming artists, they have a great advantage right now because we have social media. And for the most part, it's free. You know, you can share and say whatever you want. Of course, <laughs> that's a little limited today, but, but you know what yeah. I mean, and within reason. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage people to put themselves out there. Um, it can be, I mean, I've definitely struggled with confidence. And so that can be a tricky part. But you you got to just like rip the bandaid off and start showing your work. You know, if you're on Instagram, talk, Facebook, wherever you hang out um, or your, your network hangs out, just start showing your work, photograph it and just get it up there. It doesn't have to be anything special, whether you use an iPhone or, or whatever you use. If you have a camera, get it, you know, get it photographed and put it out there and then just start sharing it with people, even, you know, off social media in your everyday life, start, start telling people about it. I mean, and and that was something, you know, for me, I think this kind of fed into where I never valued my passion. I never talked about my artwork for so many years. And, you know, I would have paintings hanging in my home. I never, ever talked about it. I I don't know why. I just thought people would think I was so weird. And I, I just, it was just a part of me I never, ever shared. And I, looking back, I kind of wish I did, you know, I wish I mentioned it because um, part of why I decided to actually pursue my art professionally was from kind of like the overwhelming responses that I started getting from people asking, you know, God, you could sell this stuff. Why, why would you want to sell this stuff and just try it? Um, so I think I would really encourage people to show your work, show it off, share it, talk about it. And, you know, you, you will only get feedback that is going to help you, you know, whether one direction or another, you will only get feedback that is going to be, um, it's, it's going to help you. It's going to assist you. Yeah, totally. Even if it's maybe negative, uh, you know, you can learn from that. But I know that can be hard, especially. We hate it. And I hate it too. But at the end of the day, you know, even like sometimes if I hear something negative, eventually it's like, oh, wait, I kind of see what that person meant. And, you know, it might get get the wheels turning to like, try something in another direction or, you know, it's, it is always going to help. It is always going to help. And um, so, yeah, trust the process. Yeah. Do you have any advice for maybe how to overcome any like anxiety over any kind, either anxiety over negative feedback or how to deal with it when you do get negative feedback, how to not let it like, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know how to say it. Um, I'm like, how to not let it like kill your creative spirit, essentially. 
Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's just exactly what you said. It's feedback and it's feedback, not failure. It's feedback. And whatever someone says to you at the end of the day, it's really about them. You know, if someone says something that's really, I guess, uh, you know, what's the word like that downgrades you or um, even mean, that's how they're feeling about themselves. So always remember, like whatever people say to you, it really, it's their filter. It's not the truth. That's just how they, that's just how they see the world or your art, you know, or your fashion through their filter. You got to remember that because it goes both ways. If they're, if they're really like praising you, that's also, you know, that's their, that's just their style. It's their opinion. Um, But of course, try and remember the praise, (laughs) you know, you know, if you need that confidence boost, try and, you know, focus on the, the praise that you're getting, the good stuff, the encouragement, the enthusiasm, really, really, you know, write that stuff down and reread it over and over again. Um, but if it is something really negative, just keep in mind, it's about the other person, you know, it's their filter, it's their style and their style just might not align with your style, but I, I, I'm not going to deny for a second. It's hard. It's really hard to hear negative stuff, but let Um, it, let it strengthen you. Let it strengthen you. If you can, you can get through a negative comment or criticism, then, Hey, you made it, you survived and it didn't kill you. Yeah, totally. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's great advice. Uh, no. And then, uh, do you have any, um, tips for people to, who maybe want to network with like gallery owners or other artists in the community and how is, uh, having your work on display, like getting your work into art shows and galleries different than just directly selling to consumers? You know, it's a lot different. It's great exposure. And I still seek out galleries. I still apply, you know, to shows. Um, It's just great exposure. And it's a greater way to be seen by a greater amount of people and a more diverse group of people. Um, But at the same time, we have these wonderful tools like social media and websites. And so we can sell our own work on our own. And the benefit of that is you own your contacts. You know, it's really important to get people's emails or whatever text numbers um, so that you can reach out to them directly. And if you're not going through a gallery, you get to keep all the money, you know, uh, galleries come with, um, you know, commission fees that you have to pay if your work sells through them. So, you know, there's, there's good parts to it. And then there's not so great parts to it. But at the end of the day, if you're just starting out, I I do think it's a great idea to seek out galleries. And, you know, I can't deny that the easiest path of least resistance is to just start following them on social media, comment on their stuff, reach out to them. um, But if you can go in and see them, you know, if they are having an art show, uh, go in and see them, meet them in person, get in front of them. Nice. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, So those were all the questions I had for you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Do you have any final thoughts or parting words that you want to leave us with? You know, I think creativity is so healing, even if you don't have, you know, aspirations to become an artist. I think when we can use our creativity, whether it's, you know, a masterpiece in the outfit we're putting on that day, or if we do actually want to 
dive in and actually create our own artwork for our own homes. It is such a great stress reliever and it is a great way to, um, I think, be less critical and more self-accepting because you just can't not feel good about yourself when you are being creative and, um, you know, it's like your own creation. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you want, do want to become an artist, just do it, like just go for it. However you can dive in and just get your feet wet, just start. Nice. Well, there it is. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much again for joining me. Um, I just want to tell every, let everyone know like where they could find your artwork and your website and where they can find you on social media. Great. Well, Instagram is probably the best place for right now. My Instagram is at refashioned art. And then my Instagram where I talk more about fashion and lifestyle and personal is at I am Laura Madden. And my websites are I am Laura and shop dot I am Laura Nice. Well, I'll also have links to all of that in the podcast description as well. So you guys can go ahead and check that out and check out her artwork. Uh, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks, Melissa. This was a ton of fun. I loved your interview style. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Don't forget to check in with us next week for an all new episode. For more information on our guest, please go to the podcast description of this episode. Also, don't forget to check out clips and updates on our next guest on our Instagram at Entrepreneur Escape Pod. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Melissa underscore Rittenhouse and check out my website at MelissaRittenhouse.co. Thanks and see you next week.